So, how many uh, hot dog folks do we have? How many hamburger folks? How many both? Yeah, there we go. I knew we'd have some both. We'll take both, Coach. How, actually, how many of you actually have hosted a power-up club in your front yard? All right, now, don't, don't keep your hand up because, uh, seriously, keep your hand up. Uh, phenomenal privilege to be able to host a power-up club. And some of you may be thinking, I don't know a lot about that, but I'd be interested. Now you know who, turn around, look, and then you can say there's plenty of people you could ask was it worth it? Did you like it? Was it hard? Ask whatever question you got because phenomenal privilege to be able to be a part of that. So thanks for all who have done it in the past. Looking forward to a great summer and an opportunity to put Christ on display in the front yards all across Jacksonville. Well, glad you're here this morning. Every Every Sunday morning, I meet new folks at the chapel. And so when we do the lunch on the lawn, it's simply an opportunity not to just get some free meats, but to actually meet some folks that God has brought to this body. So I encourage you to hang around next week and take a part in that. If you have a copy of the scriptures with you, let me invite you to turn now to Mark chapter 9. We're going to continue in our Jesus encounters through the gospel of Mark. And this morning we're going to see Jesus encounter listening problems. Now I don't need to uh, ask you because I know the answer is every single one of us have had an embarrassing moment where we got busted for not listening. People thought we were listening. We acted like we were listening, but we weren't listening. That's a terrible moment, yes? And oftentimes pretty embarrassing. But good news for you, I doubt any of us have had a moment as embarrassing as this encounter in Mark chapter 9. The setup is this. In Mark chapter 9, verse 1 says, Jesus was saying to them, the disciples, that is, truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here, so some of the disciples, who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. That's the setup for what we're about to read that happens six days later. So six days later, Jesus takes with him Peter, James, and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he, there on that high mountain, was transfigured before them, which means this. His garments became radiant and exceedingly white as no launderer on earth can whiten them. So he literally begins to shine. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses. And that's, that's pretty amazing because they're dead, right? And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter says to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to answer for they had became terrified. And then a cloud formed overshadowing them and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. What's the next three words? Listen to him. And all at once they looked around and saw no one with them anymore except Jesus alone, which means Moses and Elijah are gone again. Now, that is referred to, based on what we read in verse 2, as the transfiguration. It was a 
one-of-a-kind supernatural moment where Jesus literally begins to, the glory of heaven shines through him and, and he is shining and dead people are present. And not just any dead people, but like super important Old Testament dead people, Moses and Elijah. Overwhelmed by the situation, Peter, it says, did you notice it says, Peter answered, which is interesting because what had not happened? No question had been asked, but he answers and he goes, let's, let's stay here. And to that suggestion, what does heaven say? <laughs> heaven says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Now, what you don't capture so much in Mark that we just read is in Matthew when the Gospel of Matthew records this moment. It, it literally says, while Peter is saying, build this, build this, build this, that a cloud comes while Peter is talking and God interrupts Peter. If you're talking and someone like God interrupts you and says, listen, what are they saying? Are you allowed to say that in church? He, God is saying very politely, shut up, right? Except I guess God doesn't say shut up. So he says it in a polite manner, listen to him. This is a correction from heaven. And folks, it is a correction from heaven in a moment where Peter is so beside himself about what is going on that instead of listening, he is jabbing. And therefore, as much as it would be tempting for us to go, wow, what was really happening that caused Jesus to shine? And why is it that Moses showed up? And why is it that Elijah, instead of Elisha or, or Jeremiah or Isaiah, why is it that Elijah showed up? And how is it that they were present and visible? And, and what were they talking about? We could, we could try to dissect all of that and miss the point, I think. The point is what the voice from heaven says to us, listen to him. So this message this morning, as we look at this passage, really has one goal, confronting our own listening to Jesus problems. Because we all have them. I have them. And when I say listen to Jesus, I'm not saying go up on a high mountain and hum. I'm saying at some point in your day, or even this morning, listening to Jesus is simply saying, God has revealed himself, God has spoken, and it's been recorded. And we have a privileged opportunity to listen to him, but oftentimes we have listening problems. And they begin with this. Why does God say, listen to him? This is not hard. Why does he say, listen to him? Because this is my son. 
Now, let me ask you a question. Does who's talking determine whether you listen or not? (laughs) I asked myself that as I was studying this passage. All right, does it make a difference who's talking? And I thought, always. (laughs) All of us have volume switches. And when some people talk, we're like, turn that one way down. Do we have an off button here? And other times when people talk, we go like, oh, I'm going to turn that up. I want to catch every word. Almost all listening. Listen, almost all, that's funny. Almost all listening is rooted in what we think about the speaker. So our listening problem is actually at core an indicator of what we think about Jesus. God says, Peter. Shut up. You have someone far more worth listening to than you. We, we, we spent the whole time in the Lord's Supper answering what question? Is he worthy? And what did we say? He is. Some of us were on tune, some of us weren't. We couldn't find out the tune. We just were like saying, he is, he is, I don't know, he is. We were declaring, he is. And that's where listening starts. All listening begins with the recognition that we listen to Jesus as our highest priority because of who he is. This is my beloved son. See, why is Jesus worth listening to? Some of you are going, whoa, you were too fast. So who he is is your three words. Why is Jesus worth listening to? Well, we, we could make a long, long, long list. Let me just, you don't have to write these down. You could write the ones down that connect with you the most. Well, he's worth listening to because he is the second person of the triune God, because he is God. He's worth listening to because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He's worth listening to because he is the good shepherd who is leading us. He's worth listening to because he's the door, the vine, and the living water. And he's worth listening to because he is Emmanuel, God with us. Thursday night, somebody, as I was going through these, he, th- they said, because he's always right. That's worth writing down. They, the person you never want to listen to is the person who always thinks they're right. It's like, uh, down. But imagine if they didn't always think they were, were right. Imagine if they always were right. That's worth turning the volume switch on, right? That's Jesus. It it all begins, our listening. And again, don't lose. Our listening, our time here begins with, is he worthy? Is he worth listening to? What do I think about Jesus? Because I think you'll agree with me, actually. We're deceiving ourselves when we say, he's worthy, but we never listen, or we rarely listen. We've deceived ourselves because we, I I know you, you listen to the podcast you think people are worth listening to. You do. 
You read the books that you think people are worth listening to. What they are. You read stuff that you think is worth it. So, what you do with this reveals what we think about who he is. So, it begins with that. And then, what's your part when we say he's worthy? What's our part in listening? Well, our part is, what was he saying to Peter? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it be, our part begins with remaining silent. So I'm, I'm in a, let me give you an illustration of what I mean when I say remaining silent. If I'm watching a game and Jackie says, hey, I, I want to tell you something. This is a tricky moment. And, and this is an especially tricky moment right now because I don't see her here. But I'm not sure I want to share this. She's over in South. <laughs> Too late? <laughs> Maybe so. Okay. I have tried, and most guys have tried this. When your wife has something to say and you're watching the game, you've tried to watch the game, keep it going, and listen at the same time. And maybe some of you are good at that. I'm terrible at that. I, can, I cannot do that. I can act like it. I just can't do it. So I've learned that I actually have one of three buttons to push on my remote when she says, I, I want you to listen to me. No, off is the last resort. <laughs> What's my first button? Mute. Come on, you guys are amateurs if you said pause. The first one is mute. So it can continue to happen. But, I, but I'm not, I can hear this way and watch that way. But I've been busted in that moment. Did you hear what I said? Ooh. Okay, pause. Pause. So I'm not distracted by what's going on. And I can have ears and eyes both that way. But, but she said to me at times, what? Can you turn that off? Why do I not want to turn it off? Because I'm really thinking that as soon as you're done, we can go back to that. And Paul's is letting you know, we're just paused right now. <laughs> now, maybe I'm blowing every man's cover in the room and you're going, stop that junk. But, but those are, and I got to tell you this, I, was, I never consciously thought through that process until I studied this passage. Seriously. It was only in, in thinking through, listening to Jesus that I go, I have actual options in how I choose to listen. I can choose to listen and kind of half listen, and I can try and listen in the midst of all that's still going on, or I can turn it off. But there is always the temptation to try to listen while other stuff's going on. So, what keeps you from listening to Jesus? Well, sometimes, like Peter, it's your voice. You need to shut up. Excuse me, kids, if, if, if you go, Daddy, Mom, the pastor... I'm just imitating God the Father right now, okay? 
Sometimes you need to be quiet. Sometimes you have too many other voices going on. And, you know, I'm not standing here going that Instagram and Twitter and all that's of the devil. It's phenomenally distracting to listening to Jesus, though. You know, the, the, the student pretty quickly realizes when I try to study and keep my social media in front of me at the same time, I don't get much studying done. And it, if you are trying to listen to the Lord while you got a bunch of other stuff going on, you're probably not getting much. Sometimes it's just so much going on in life that, that actually you haven't cracked your Bible, whether it be a hard copy or a digital copy. On your, you haven't listened to Jesus since Easter Sunday. You've just been gone, gone. And it's hard to listen to him when other stuff, because our attention is distracted. So let me give you an attention test. I want you to turn your attention to the side screens and watch and try to test your counting ability. All right? Uh, Play this. How many? 16, 15, 15. Okay, second question. Okay, whoa, now moment of honesty. How many of you did not see the gorilla? Oh, oh man. Keep your hands up. This is a good moment. And notice, I don't care if you got the number right or not. How could you miss the gorilla? And he didn't just sneak in the corner. What did he do? Front and center. He beat his chest and he walked off. And when I watched it, I was like, What gorilla? Okay, here's the the weirdest thing. I don't know what happened over in South. In here, more than half of you, probably three quarters of you missed it, correct? Did I see that? Probably pretty. This was weird. Thursday night, three quarters of the people missed it. Eight o'clock? Half the people, maybe even a little less than half, missed it. Lots, lots, and lots of people at 8 o'clock saw it. What's that tell you? (laughs) No, here's what that told me. That told me that the earlier in the day, actually, the more attentive you are. I really think that's true. And so I don't know when you try to listen to Jesus, but I think the earlier in the day 
the better. Now, we'll see. At 11 o'clock, it may blow my theory, and I'll have to make up a new one by then. But I was shocked that something so obvious could be missed. But if there's a transfiguration moment, I felt like I experienced watching that video. I was like, that's, that's how you can be on the mountain with Jesus and have to have the Father go, shut up. You're missing the gorilla beating his chest in the center of the screen. And that's what we do. We go through day after day after day after day. We go by weeks and we don't listen to Jesus. What ought to be most obvious to us. And here's, here are the, the contributing factors for so many of us. And so the, the correction from heaven, if you're only catching up to me right now, you go, oh, now I'm catching why Doug said, this is a correction from heaven for all of us. That we got our own voice, other voices, we got distractions, we got so much busyness that we need to hear. So are you hearing this morning? We need to hear from God the Father himself, ourselves personally. This is my beloved son, Listen to him. I need it. I, I, I just think probably most of us do. Because other stuff's just taken over. It could be that you distrust him. Have you ever gone, uh, I don't actually ever want to get one-on-one with this person because of what they might say. I tr- I tr- if that person's around, I try to have another person with me, <laughs> just as buffer. See, sometimes, and maybe we consciously, or maybe it's just unconsciously, maybe we're afraid to get alone, to hit not the mute or not even the pause, but hit the off button in life and go listen to Jesus because we're afraid of what the Scripture might say to us. We feel like it's safer to stay busy. Or it's safer to read other, to listen to other voices than to listen to the source himself. May not be true, but maybe that's what's keeping you. You're not sure you trust him. So it begins with lifting him up. He's worthy, which causes my mouth to go closed and my ears to go open. Now I want us to turn to James 1 because James 1 corrects two major listening problems. James 1, same chapter, two core principles for listening. First is James 1 verses 21 through 25. Some of these will be familiar to some of you. Don't let the familiarity of them cause you to not hear them. Because sometimes that's a problem as well. You get so used to a voice, you stop hearing it. It's like the railroad track. You don't hear it anymore. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility. See, (laughs) he's worthy. 
in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. But what happens? Once he's looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. In other words, when you look in this, the mirror, it will reveal to us who we are and who we aren't intended to bring our own transformation. But how often, whether it's on a Sunday morning, the word of God shows you who you are, who you're not in the mirror, and you go, whoa, I need to change. But then you close it, you go to lunch, you drive home, you watch a game, you take a nap, and by five o'clock on Sunday, you've long forgotten who you were in the mirror. That happens to all of us. Yes? Yeah, that happens to all of us. But one who looks, here's, here's what ought to be happening. One who looks at, intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, remains there. Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. So there's two aspects here. There's hearing and there's doing. Now don't miss the fact, in order to do, you must first hear. So, I don't want to, even though the emphasis is on the, in this passage is on the doing instead of the hearing, I don't want us to miss that listening is intended to, to involve hearing. In other words, I get quiet so that I can hear, because it's impossible to hear before I get quiet. But I get quiet so that I can hear. And then the hearing, which is a key part, I'll come back to that in a moment. It's key that I hear, but that's intended to lead to, to doing. And this is, this is an obvious process, but that we disconnect, we short circuit continually. And here's the danger. The more we become hearers without doing, the more we do it. I know that sounds stupid, but it's true. The more we do it, the more we do it. We can actually become habitual hearers only. That, that's how it's possible that we become people who attend church for 30 years, 30 years of hearing, but don't look a whole lot like Jesus. Because the effectual doing, the blessing, he says, the blessing of effectual doing is that you become transformed into his image, more like Jesus. So I'm going to just run through us real th- quick three examples of how hearing is intended to lead to doing. First, regarding In John chapter 6, Jesus says, Do not 
work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. Now, this is an analogy. Obviously, there's no food that lasts forever. Try it in your refrigerator and you'll find out now. Nothing. So he's using an analogy of food to say, don't work for things that will perish. Work for that which will bring eternal life. Correct? All right, you're with it. Which the Son of Man will do what? Give to you. For on him the Father God has sent his seal. So when the people hear that, he's speaking to a crowd of thousands in this John 6. When they hear that, they ask, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Which, which is how you get what? Food that lasts for eternal. How do I, what do we need to do to get eternal life? What's the works? And Jesus answers, this is the work of God that you believe in him. Oh, whoa, oh, I thought it was like, go do something. Doing, when it comes to the gospel, the doing is what? Believing. If you were here with us last week for Easter, we tried to very clearly define for you believing. See, believing in the one who gives eternal life is believing that he took the penalty for my sin. So in order to believe, I must first admit that I had a penalty, that I had a sin that need to be paid for. And if I am believing in him that he took my penalty, then I recognize he did something for me, so I can't do it. I can only receive it. This is why we say believing in Jesus means that I admit something about myself, I believe something about him, and I receive it. Now, is there a difference between hearing the gospel a hearer only, and doing something with it. Yeah, the doing is believing. This is why many people think they're going to have eternal life because they have heard. But won't, Jesus says, because they didn't didn't believe. They didn't do the works of believing. They only hurt. See, I I don't really, the, the question this morning is not, have you heard the gospel? Or it's not even, have you told somebody else about the gospel? It's a truth that's intended to have an action, a doing. The question for you this morning is, Having heard, have you believed? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. That in him you have eternal life. There's an action called believing. That's the work. The work is to believe in him for eternal life. The scripture says this, 1 Timothy 4, excuse me, 1 Peter 4, each person has received a special gift from God. You ever heard that? (laughs) Hope so. We talk about this all the time at the chapel. 
that to be born again, to believe in Jesus, to pour the Spirit of God into you so that you would have with the Spirit of God a gift for what purpose, though? Yeah, to use it to serve one another. This is how I know that we have a listening problem at the chapel. Because we talk about this truth a lot, but only 60% of the people at the chapel actually serve. Did you know that? And when I tell other pastors, they go, that's phenomenal. How do you get 60%? We have more like 20%. I don't feel that awesome about 60%. Seriously, I don't. Because the scripture's intended to be heard in order to to do. To do. And in this one, we've got some hearing problems. Your heavenly Father has forgiven you. That's That's a phenomenal truth that has an action connected to it. This is why it doesn't make any sense. This is why Jesus told multiple stories. (laughs) How can you be forgiven of all that you've been forgiven and then turn around and go, I'm not forgiving you. I mean, maybe in six months, we'll see. If you get your life together, then I might forgive you. Folks, are you not glad that Jesus has not said to you, hey, get your life together and I'll forgive you. He has said, I forgive you. Let me lead you into getting your life together. But we are often unwilling to do for others what God has been willing to do for us. We need need to put the doing to the hearing. And here's what's at stake. If I put the passage together, if you prove yourself doers of the word, not merely hearers. If you're merely hearer, what do you do? You delude yourself. But if you become an effectual doer, you are blessed. Do you see? Do you see the de- what's at stake here? Either, either we become people who hear the scriptures and only hear and delude ourselves, deceive ourselves, so we think we're something that we're not, or we become blessed. Now let me define blessing for you because the scripture says the person who hears and does becomes more like Jesus. So the blessing is becoming, don't hear, oh, what, I get lots of money? No. <laughs> you get to be more like Jesus. That's the blessing. See, Paul writes Timothy and says, the goal of our instruction, the goal of our speaking the truth to you is that you'll hear it and become more loving. The goal of our instruction is love, he says. So you put that together. The goal of our hearing is that we become more like Jesus. Being more like Jesus means we are more loving. We love the Father more and we love one another more because Jesus loved him and us perfectly. We don't. We don't love him perfectly. We don't love one another perfectly. But that's the goal of our instruction. 
that hearing the truth this morning, that hopefully you'll walk out these doors and you'll go, he is worthy. Okay, that's more like Jesus now. Because he is worthy, I'm going to listen to him. And as I listen to him, I'm going to do what he says, and that's going to prompt you to love others more. But we have, a, we have a continual cultural flow that we're swimming against, and I just want to put a mirror up to us. I don't know if you know this, but in, in our culture, in our American culture, less and less people go to church on a regular basis. Less and less people attend church. And less and less churches teach the Scriptures. That's a bad recipe. Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> less are going, and those who are going are finding less places that teach the Scriptures. And it's, it's the Scriptures that speak the words of God that change us and bring us to be blessed, to be more like Jesus, more loving of God, more loving of others. Now, here's the reality that I'm learning at the chapel. That more people come, less often. For, for a number of years, we scratched our, set, our head and got, we have membership classes of over 100 every year. But generally, our increase of attendance is much less than that in terms of percentage. And we're like, how can that be? Do we have this huge back door? And then we recognize it's not a back door. It's a more people come less frequently. So we can have twice as many people come only half the time, and our attendance stays the same. Now, you may go, well, why are we talking about attendance? Only for this reason. There's, what's the value of showing up? <laughs> Hearing the scriptures. See, I, I, hope, I hope you will always, for as long as you attend the chapel, go, I can be certain that, that if I go to the chapel, they'll teach the scriptures. And, and so it's to our detriment when we attend less because we hear less. And hearing is an important part. It's not everything. It has to culminate in doing. But when we hear less, we end up doing even less. And doing that becomes, we become less blessed, less more like Jesus. It's impacting our families. It's impacting our culture. The people who ought to be salt and light are becoming less salty and less lighty. I know. Why? For simple reasons. We, we won't get what we get if we don't go where we get it. So, folks, can I encourage you? I'm, I'm calling us. I'm correcting us right now. One of the reasons we recognized the opportunity of a Thursday night service was because not only do more and more people work on Sunday morning, more and more people travel on weekends. That's the reality of our economic status. We get to go, and so we go. 
And the more we go, the more we miss. And the more we miss, the less we hear. And the less we hear, the less we do. And you, you follow on the trail with me? And so I think we created an opportunity that somehow is not connected in some of your thinking. And so I just want to say it to you as bluntly as I can. If you're gone on Sunday, come on Thursday. Again, not because Jesus is going to be in heaven going, I'm taking attendance. Because in attending, we hear, and in hearing, we are intended to do. And the doing is the blessing of becoming more like Jesus. And if our culture needs anything, it needs more people like Jesus. So, folks, we've become way too casual. And I just got to say that if my kids were still young, I would not think two times a month was nearly what I wanted them to be getting the scriptures in a corporate setting. We, we didn't do that. We wouldn't do that. <laughs> now, a bunch of you may go, well, you, you're crazy. You're, you're, you're going to leave the childless. Well, I'm telling you, folks. We're, we're in a cultural war, and we're, gotten, we're getting slack with truth. I, I hope you won't say, I don't think we, chapel, are getting slack with truth. We're getting slack with receiving it. It's too easy to stay home. It's easy, too easy to go away, and, and that's reality of life, and so we're trying to meet it. I'm simply saying to you, if you're going to be gone Sunday, join us on Thursday. And if you can't be here Sunday or Thursday, well, watch us online. Not, I, I, you know, I don't get paid if you watch online. <laughs> so there's nothing in this for me. It's for you. Genuinely, folks, hear this. It's for you. It's my heart for you, for your marriage, for your family. Because I genuinely believe he is worthy to be listened to. And if you listen to him, you'll be blessed. And your marriage will benefit. Your family will benefit. Truth makes us like Jesus. And we're just too casual with it. So when we need the correction from heaven, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. One last. If you lack wisdom, and I know that's all of us. I, I mean, I got stuff in my life right now where I'm going, Lord, I need wisdom. So this is a phenomenal promise. Let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it'll be given to him. It, it, the promise is, if you need wisdom, say, God, I need it. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. That's the condition. And that seems really hard sometimes. I remember for a long time thinking, I don't know what that means to ask in faith. I'm not doubting. I'm not, I'm not doubting. But what's that really mean? Let me show you. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord being, here's the key, double-minded. You see, when you're double-minded, here's what you look like. Well, I, should, I want to do this, but I want to do this. I don't know which way to go. If you ask for wisdom from Lord when you're going, I do this, I want to do this, double-minded, he says, no. No wisdom for you. What's he looking for? 
He's saying, to ask in wisdom is this. You say, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. I hope you'll remember this the rest of your life. Wisdom is for doers, not deciders. Wisdom wisdom is for doers. Wisdom is for those who say, I've single-mindedly declared that, Lord, whatever you say to me, I'll do. That's why we talk about this at the chapel. Right here. This is single-minded. Right here, you know what that is? That's double-minded. Lord, I'd like to hear what you have to say so I can decide. And he goes, hey, I don't have any wisdom for that person. Because wisdom is for doers, not deciders. The decision is to say, Lord, whatever you say, I'll do. What do you have to say? You ever told the Lord? Lord, I don't know what to do, but whatever you say, I'll do it. Will you speak now? Versus, Lord, will you speak so I can decide what I should do? We got it wrong. Wisdom is for doing. This is, this is why we have our Bible sticker guy. You know, that, that thing that you put on your, your car we gave out, and, and we've, about a year and a half ago, we ran out of them. And people go, where's the Bible man? Where's the sticker? And we ran out of them. Well, we get some more. Well, we're, should we redesign them? We spent a year deciding if we should redesign them. <laughs> and finally, I was like, okay, stop it. Let's just make some more. Because you're not going to get to heaven without your sticker. <laughs> stupid. No, that's stupid. That sticker is to put on your car as a reminder. Every time you climb in your car, every time you look through your rearview mirror, single-minded, fully devoted, spirit-empowered, Christ follower. Wisdom is for doers, not for deciders. The word of God is here. I am in humility. See, this is, this is me equal to Jesus. This is me under Jesus. And that makes all the difference. And what did the father say to him? This is my son. Listen to him. So if you've gotten a new car in the last year and a half, go by the connect gazebo and get yourself a sticker. Get to heaven. <laughs> just kidding. I was just... Hearing is dependent upon not being double-minded. So truth is intended to bring action, probably the action to start with so we not be a, a forgetful here is a confession. Probably all of us in some way need to confess some bad listening habits to Jesus this morning. Maybe this one that I just rarely get quiet. I'm go, 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 go. I rarely get quiet. Or my knowledge is outdistancing my love. Or <laughs> I like input instead of instruction. What do you need to confess to the Lord? That's the first action this morning. Take a moment, if you would. Whatever, if it's one, two, three, all three, something else, let's confess to the Lord. Take a moment.
we declare, Lord, by our confession, you are worthy. And we want to listen to be doers. To the praise of your glory and no doubt to the fullness of our joy, the joy of our marriages, the joy of our individual lives, our families, this community. Lord, would we walk in your truth to be a blessing. To the praise of your name, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. If we can pray for you, prayer. If we can meet you for a first time as a guest, we'd love to. A guest reception. God bless. If you're out next week, see you Thursday night. (laughs) 